Welcome back to KafaroCast, everybody. Frank here on the mic, running without Aaron today. Aaron's up in the Elkwoods, and we have a very special guest, new employee to Kafaro International, good friend, David D. Austin. What is going on, sir? What's up? Glad to be here. This is David's first podcast, so we are taking his podcast genity. How does it feel? Be gentle. Uh, <laughs> it is my first time, so yeah. <laughs> So we uh, we just got back from the uh, muzzleloader elk hunt last week. Um, we got back on Sunday or Monday, one of the d- the days there, um, and we're here to recap it. So it was a it was a fun trip, but I also just wanted to uh, announce David is a new employee for us. We're pretty excited. We've I was telling him last week that I've always said we needed someone like David to work for Kafara. We need someone that has photo and video experience in a professional uh atmosphere i guess you were you've uh you've taught right yeah yeah i taught photography for about 10 years um a couple of different colleges uh had a lot of students it was it was a good time yeah does that come with any perks you get to uh take the students home the good ones (laughs) just kidding (laughs) just uh no comment but um (laughs) yeah no i one of the things i liked uh doing as a college prof- you know, professor was, uh, I would, I'd bring students out into the field and we would, we would bring real life experience and uh, outdoor products uh, into the hands of the students. We'd go out and shoot lifestyle images and we would shoot studio stuff. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I've just learned from Aaron. I've, I've taken a liking to photography and it's cool to have you uh, on board so you can be teaching, teaching us all the, the subtleties of, of photography and, and videography. Um, one thing I think that's always been super hard for me and, and probably Aaron as well is to actually take photos while you're on a hunt, you're hunting yourself. So it's kind of hard to, to do both. So it was kind of, it was really cool to have you there with, uh, with me last week on, on that hunt. And also I was happier there because you're a bit of an elk guru and I don't know pretty much anything about elk hunting other than during rifle season, which is for me just either glassing them up or sitting on a meadow and waiting for them to come out. So it was a lot of fun learning different calls and, and all your little tricks and, and stuff like that. Cause you, uh, that's, that's kind of your deal, right? You're the, you're the elk guy. Yeah. I, I grew up in Minnesota and hunted white-tailed deer my whole life. Mule deer don't get me that excited. I mean, I love hunting mule deer, but man, elk make me crazy. Uh, hearing bugles, seeing the, you know, gigantic bodied animals coming at you through the forest. It just gets me crazy. It gets you going. Also, we just got a new recording, uh, soundboard here and it's got sound effects <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be chiming those in we actually got this uh this this idea from jerry and uh and luke luke's got one as well so i said that if luke could figure it out then then we should surely should be able to so we got this cool new soundboard um yeah man elk hunting it's uh i can see why people like it a lot i've never really focused on elk during uh, the rut or during archery season, like every once in a while I'd pick up a tag and it would kind of be like an afterthought and after the mule deer thing, um, then I would maybe chase elk if I had time. But um, yeah, chasing them in the rut, it was insane. The first day we got down there, um, we met up with, so we were hunting with Chad, Chad, uh, the new owner of Kafaro, one of the new owners with of Kafaro and his buddy Monty. And uh, Chad was uh, generous and gracious enough to, get a tag for me to hunt muzzleloader so this was my first ever muzzleloader experience you've had a muzzleloader before so I was relying on you for 
for tips and stuff as well on that. So you're kind of my coach through the whole thing. But um, it, I think it can be a little bit intimidating using a muzzleloader. But after uh, after shooting it a couple times, I kind of realized it's basically just like a rifle. You're just loading her through the barrel, I guess. So yeah, Chad was uh, was awesome. He he got the tag, and uh, we met up with Monty first day. Got into a very small town on the western slope there, and met him at the uh, at the local co-op store and, and picked up the tag. But from then on, it was kind of uh, all go. We had to make sure the the muzzleloader was sighted in, um, and then we were we were on the mountain. So I got a lot of questions about that that muzzleloader, and um, Chad ended up picking up a uh, a Gunworks muzzleloader, a 50 cal. Um, nice thing about that is they had a load worked up for it, and it had that new Revic XO. Uh, MOA turret system on there so you can you can kind of dial it just like a scope um, one thing I will say though open sights and trying to shoot far is a bit of a task but we kind of got her dialed felt pretty decent about it um, out to 200 on the first day and it had that front aperture or the front post was kind of just a, a single post with a dot on top so it was kind of hard to get a, a read of what post we wanted to go with as far as shooting uh shooting a live animal because you know i'm just looking at a piece of paper at the target range and can't really get an idea of what's going to look like in the woods so anyway we uh we got her sighted in um david got some awesome footage that first day and uh yeah we we went out up the hill and uh in monty's forerunner and he uh tore that thing up a little bit on the trail i've never <laughs> seen a guy drive through the you know such nasty environments yeah, so that the area we're at, it's it's nothing but um nothing but oak brush basically, and and it's kind of the trails are mostly built or have been driven by ATVs and side by sides, and he's riding uh, 2018 400 in there, and every time we heard a a pinstripe made, it kind of made you shed shed a bit of a tear. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that thing! I bet it scratched down to the metal. Yeah, it was uh it was not good, but. He said it was a good idea to do that so he can get it repainted on uh, to a different color that he uh, he'd prefer. So, but um, yeah, yeah. As far as that muzzleloader goes, I think if if you spent a lot of time with it before season, had a solid rest, whether it be on a tripod or a bipod, I don't see that see any reason why you couldn't shoot um, in the right conditions. Probably 200, 250 yards, depending on the animal. Um, but I think the most important thing is spending a lot of time with it. In my case, um, this this hunt kind of came up sort of last minute, and just getting a, a muzzleloader ready in time uh, that was a bit of a, a bit of a process. But Chad was was generous enough to uh, purchase one of those Gunworks muzzleloaders and let me borrow it. So that took a lot of time out of having to uh, develop the load because basically when you buy something from Gunworks, they develop a load for you, and uh, basically you kind of just load her up and let her rip. So that thing was was badass. I think it's uh, carbon fiber stock, carbon fiber ramrod, steel barrel, and it comes with the uh, the MOA etched the uh, the corrections etched into the um, into the turrets, I guess. So yeah, we got that thing basically set up, and uh, we were we were in them on the first night. They were bugling like crazy. Yeah, some of the things you know that gun's a really nice gun. It's it's set up for long range if you put a scope on it. Um, some of the things we talked about changing if you could change or update is uh like a micro adjust for the peep mm-hmm. um for dialing in range and stuff like that and then you were talking about painting the crosshairs in the in the front of the peep site yeah so 
I think for depending on the situation, I I wouldn't mind having like an orange or a, like a high vis green on the front crosshair or post or whatever aperture, or I guess post that you go with. Um, especially where we were hunting, it was a lot of oak brush, and then there were these patches of aspens which were really dark, especially in the evening. So it was kind of hard to get a good view of the sight picture beyond the post because it was it was just so dark. So yeah, that would be something that I would personally like to change and then you know when you sight in that system basically you're you're leaving your back peep set up at at your zero mark which was 100 yards and then you're adjusting your front i guess hood the hood is that what you'd call it i guess i don't (laughs) (laughs) just kidding uh so you adjust that that front hood up and down left and right and and get her dialed and and, uh you basically want to start at 100 yards and then go from there but yeah, we were we were uh, we were right on in on the first day. We hustled up the mountain, hopped into Monty's uh, Forerunner, and we got into some elk. We pro I don't man, I only think we walked like a half a mile maybe, and they were just bugling like crazy. We uh, we got to this small meadow where Monty had noticed that they were kind of converging in the afternoons or in the evenings to get in on some crazy rut action. There were I don't know, there were probably like four bulls in that little vicinity there, and. One of the coolest things is there was a wallow up above that we couldn't see, and we could just hear this this bull thrashing. And uh, I don't know what is that sound called when you you were hitting the top of your your bugle? Yeah, he was he was glunking, and I guess that's uh, you know he's communicating with a hot cow. Cow's in estrus, and he's just maybe trying to run around and kind of herd her, um, mm-hmm. keep her within distance and view. Yeah, I was telling Jerry about that when he was here the other day, and he was like, "Yeah, isn't that when they're flexing their wiener?" <laughs> like you're a sick bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> now that we have this soundboard, I'm never going to stop using it. Aaron's probably not going to let me do this ever again. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, man, that was that was freaking awesome. They were uh, they were bugling. There was a pretty good bull down in the meadow. Kept running around, and he uh, actually exited the meadow through some oak brush. Right when we got up to it, couldn't get a good look at him, but um, Monty could see him through the aspens walking around and he never ended up coming back out so it was that was actually really cool just to stand there and observe the wind was in our favor so there were elk just walking all around and that uh that bull that was up in the in the wallow just it, i mean he, he sounded like he was a big bull but we never ended up seeing him yeah we we were set up waiting for him to come down and he just never came down i mean he had a couple of cows come out uh there's a small four point that was with him I, I got that on video uh also got the um you know, there's another bull, a little bit smaller, you know, small six point that was running around. Uh, but that big one just didn't come down. And we were just hoping, you know, he sounded nasty. He's got this growl to him and he's glunking. He's just running around. We were really hoping to have him come down and, you know, get all that on video. Yeah, that would have, uh, that would have been a very short hunt, probably the shortest hunt I've ever been on had we tagged out on the first day. So it's probably a good thing that we didn't tag out on the first evening. Um, so, yeah, it didn't end up coming out. We uh, kind of backed out of there and tried to stay away from the elk and circled back to the uh, to the forerunner that evening and headed back to camp. Um, those guys had a pretty sweet camp set up. Chad brought his uh, his trailer in from from Utah and and uh, yeah, it was comfortable. Man, it's not something I've I've done in a lot of years. Kind of remind me of hunting with my dad, bringing a trailer in, and I'm not opposed to it. That's for sure. We had uh, hot dinners. We had a, a camp chef and. Didn't have to eat uh, dehydrated meals, so that's something I could get used to a couple times a year for sure. 
And I'm glad you didn't get to eat the uh, dehydrated meals all week because, man, one day, <laughs> the one day you had it, uh, we paid for it. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, I don't know what it is with the dehydrated meals. They've just been tearing up my stomach, so um, they taste good, but... Some, one of them ingredients, maybe it's too much sodium, but it's, uh, it definitely makes me gassy. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, Chad, so Chad had to go back to go back home the first day that we were there for business. And then he came back that night. So we were already in bed and stuff. And he, I think he got back in at like, I don't know, 11 o'clock or something. And next morning we got up pretty early ahead of, uh, early above, uh, sunlight or whatever. And, um, we were hunting with Chad. Monty split up. He went back to the meadow, and Chad was kind of taking us up to these ponds that he likes to uh, to hunt around just because there's always elk running around back and forth in there. And um, basically uh, just, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes into the, into the hike, we kind of came over this little draw, and there were a few cows feeding in there. I guess it wasn't much of a draw. It was just kind of a, a low portion of aspens and there are a few cows feeding we can hear a bull bugling just above us and uh kind of snuck into position it's kind of weird that particular unit there's so many cattle walking around that you don't really have to be as quiet as you would in like a normal otc unit is that right i've never seen something like this you know there are elk all around you uh they could smell you and they would just kind of walk away they wouldn't spook and take off um, I just have never seen elk activity like this. It's just low hunter numbers, low tag numbers, high elk numbers. Um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. And Aaron, Aaron had said before the hunt, he's like, this is going to be like a Primos video. I wasn't really quite sure what to expect, but it kind of, it kind of, it kind of was, <laughs> man. It was like, it was like watching a hunting TV show. I've never experienced anything like just elk bugling like crazy all over the place. So it, it really wasn't that hard to get in on these elk. The cows were kind of feeding. I don't know if they noticed us. They might have, um, but they, they're kind of feeding down from, from up, up the hill, kind of down left to right for us. And we kind of got in, into position because that bull was coming. And I don't know, I think there's like four cows that ended up walking out. And then that bull just came running in. And uh, it was kind of, it was cool, man. It was like a high adrenaline situation. And we're trying to get the uh, the camera set up um, because we obviously wanted to get this all on film. And uh, Chad's like, "Are you are you are you ready?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm ready." David, you ready? You're like, "Not yet, not yet." And uh, that bull came out to 75 yards and was like standing there, but we couldn't get it lined up, and we didn't want to you know make a bunch of movement just in case they would spot us and, and blow out of there. But I think one of the cows ended up smelling us and she didn't like it. So she turned around, kind of trotted up the hill. And then of course the bull followed and he ended up at like 150 yards. So we got it all lined up. I ended up sitting down and shooting, um, at this elk, uh, from the seated position. And, um, I felt good about it. It was 150 yards. I dialed it on the, uh, on the turret system and, there was a bunch of dirt that flew past it after the shot. And I was like, holy shit, did I miss him high? And uh, like, no, 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 it looked, looked like you got him pretty good. So we walked, we waited a little bit, walked over to where he was standing, looked around for a bit, and we couldn't find any blood at first. So we like reviewed the, we reviewed the footage and went back to um, kind of where I shot from and had Chad, directed Chad to stand where the elk was. And he found just a little bit of blood. I'm like, all right, sweet man. I think, I, I, I think we might, we might have done it on the first morning. And uh, we, uh, we, 
we messaged Monty to come up from his spot and come give us a hand and uh, waited a bit, and then we started looking for blood, and that's when it all went downhill from there. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, going back to getting the shot on film, like mm-hmm. uh, anyone that's trying to record their own hunt or someone else's hunt, uh, man, filming with a DSLR, especially uh, with a longer lens, you know, you, you've got to switch out for uh, how far that elk is going to be from the shooter. You know, I was set up with uh, 70 to 200, expecting it to be really far out there. And then, you know, we're in kind of a thicker uh, aspen grove. And, uh, man, I just I couldn't get that elk in a clearing when you had it in a clearing. It was always <laughs> behind trees. Uh, but when we finally got it on video... Um, we both could see it at the same time. You made that shot, and uh, it looked like it was a good shot. Yeah, it felt good. Um, you know, the at that distance, the the circle portion of the top of the post, the dot, I guess you would call it, took up a fair amount of, of the elk's body. So um, I kind of knew it, it wasn't going to be an overly precise shot, but I, I felt pretty solid taking that shot. Um, and so we waited, we waited, I don't know, probably – when Monty got there an hour and a half, two hours just to go to start looking for him just because in the initial spot, there really wasn't that much blood. Um, and we, we had time to look at the footage on your camera, but the screen was kind of small. So it looked pretty good, but it also kind of looked high. Um, and we have this on film and you'll be able to watch this on the film that David's making. But, um, you know, when we, when the elk was hit, he kind of dropped his back end and you can see the dirt, on his backside fly up. And so I'm, I'm down to your right mm-hmm. yep. when I take the shot. So if you kind of line the dirt up with kind of where I was, it looked like I was right on the good line right behind the shoulder. But um, after we looked at the footage, when we transferred it from your camera to our cell phones later at camp, that's when we can kind of tell it looked like it was either a high shot or high and back. Yeah. Um, Word of advice for everybody. You know, if you're going to be filming stuff like this, bring a laptop, Mm-hmm. Uh, bring a viewing device, some way to look back at the footage. Um, I just, you know, it was one of the things that I just don't have a laptop and, you know, usually don't think it's a big, you know, big deal. Uh, we were trying to look at it on like a, a two and a half inch LCD screen on the back of the camera. Uh, luckily we were able to transfer it onto our iPhones and, and check it out a little bit larger scale. Um, but going back yesterday, I was going through uh, frame by frame, in adobe premiere and you can actually see it's it's quite high um and that bull did not die yeah yeah so before we were able to to actually review it in detail um we we put quite a bit of miles on just looking for it we we all gritted out um i think we found two different spots of blood the first spot of blood was like i don't know 50 yards from where the shot was and then the next spot was probably another 50 and just based upon those two small amounts of blood, we kind of figured it, it didn't make it, but we still put in a diligent effort looking for it. it you know, this is kind of the, the side of hunting that doesn't really get talked about all that often, especially on, on when people make a film, they kind of leave this stuff out. But I think it was a good idea for us to, to leave this part in because it, it does happen and it sucked. I mean, I, we were, we were all bummed out. Um, I just remember riding back to uh, camp that day and it was like silence in the car. Everyone was just like, shit, man, that, that sucked. But we, uh, I would say we probably looked for, God, I don't, uh, five or six hours. 
Yeah, yeah, easily. Yeah, it's it's always a bummer. No one wants to injure an animal. No one wants to lose it. You know, you don't want to see the mo- the meat spoil. Um, I think uh, uh, Chad and and Monty went up and above, um, and you know, an injured an injured elk is not going to climb uphill if it's mortally wounded. You know, uh, so we made um, you know we made a uh, straight line about what nine hundred yards, I think it was, looking thinking that he would just make a straight line. Mm-hmm follow, you know, follow different trails and things like that and fall over dead. And we just never found him. Yeah. So we, we, we put it, put in a lot of work looking for this elk and, uh, ended up, you know, heading back to camp, transferring the photo there, the video to our iPhones. And then I think Chad even sent the video to, uh, to one of his buddies and he looked at it on his laptop and we all came to the conclusion that it was a, it was a high hit, uh, bullets basically zipped straight through the elk and, um, you know, he lived to see another day. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, unfortunately it is something that happens. I was telling David, I don't think I'd ever lost an animal with a, with a firearm before. So that was just a, it was a tough break, a tough loss for, for the whole crew because, you know, you go from like the highest to highest excited. Everyone's all pumped up, shot an elk, nice bull. And then, uh, and then you're left with a little bit of nothing there. So yeah, it was, that was pretty depressing, but you know, you try to, uh, the, comforting part about that is after looking at the, at the film you know obviously we didn't lose lose a, the elk and lose the meat and stuff like that um so we decided that uh after we determined that the elk you know the elk lived on we uh we were going to go give her another shot so i think we went out pretty late that evening um to the same spot kind of so we could check again and then also see if the elk were still in the area and they in fact were not in the area. <laughs> they had, we had blown just about every elk out of that entire spot, um, which uh, which was kind of like a twist in the knife in the wound because I've got to go back to the same spot, and then there were obviously no no elk left. Um, so that evening we got back to camp and kind of just uh, brainstormed on ideas of, of what to do the next day. And I think we decided we were going to go glass up some new country, and it was uh, – this area is a lot of a lot of plateaus and big canyons between long ridge figure finger ridges and uh, we ended up glassing some country and there was this one spot that we ended up finding a bunch of elk and every single ridge had a group of cows and a bull with them it was pretty sweet yeah it was so cool I mean I think it was like <laughs> a, a north face um, ridge and then it had finger ridges coming down and it just every ridge had a herd on it yeah it was unreal I it, I literally have never seen anything like it, but we ended up finding uh, a pretty aggressive bull with, he must have had, I don't know, 10, 15 cows with him at least um, on this ridge. It was kind of uh, pretty thick with aspens and then a little bit of oak brush. So we kind of let off a bugle and he got super aggressive and kind of ran straight towards us down his ridge. But we were we were a decent ways away, but he was pacing back and forth, kind of guarding his cows, right? Yeah, yeah, he's just like, you're not going to come steal our, you know, my cows. Uh, he was just kind of yelling back at us, um, you know, guide, uh, guarding them for sure. Yeah, so that was that was cool. We, uh, I, um, Chad, was like, dude, you need to go get the the muzzleloader out of the out of the truck, and we need to go after this guy. So um, we left Monty up top. Um, he was kind of doing a little bit of calling just to keep the uh, attention off of us, and we shot down the uh, down our side of the ridge and got down into the bottom and that's where we could kind of tell we 
probably were screwed because the wind was blowing straight up the canyon and it was going almost straight to where the cows were. So I knew that we didn't have much time. We ended up getting pretty close to that group of elk and I think that bull was probably only 120 yards from us, but it was so thick we could just see patches of hair walking through the trees. And uh, it almost happened. Um, Chad did a little bit of cow calling and he was, the bull looked like he was coming in. And all of a sudden, we just heard a bunch of elk just blow out of there and check the wind, and it was going straight up towards those cows. And, uh, yeah, just weren't able to get it done on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we all know that feeling of, of, you know, you've got decent wind, and you're sneaking in, and all of a sudden you feel that wind on your back. Mm -hmm. And we felt that, and all of a sudden the forest erupted. Yeah, so we uh, luckily there was a a nearby road that we didn't – allowed us to walk straight to the road. We didn't have to walk straight back up, but we were like right by the road. Monty's about to pick us up and I got fucking stung by a, a wasp, dude. I still got a mark right here. Look at this thing. Oh man. Yeah. That was not cool. I can't remember what we did that evening. Uh, oh, you know what we did? We ended up going, so we ended up, uh, going back kind of where we were the first couple of days, um, that evening, but we dropped down into, to a lower spot and we were, it was called the, they call it the, the knoll. It's kind of a, a, big hill in the middle of a bunch of oak brush and ended up ended up being pretty good as soon as we uh got to that spot it was just me and david and chad and uh, monty went and glassed up some other country but basically we hiked up to the top of this knoll and we're kind of creeping pretty quietly and we could just hear something walking in the uh, in the oak brush and we're like shit is that is that cattle or is that an elk so i think you just did a couple of cow calls and all of a sudden we just heard a bunch of rustling and running in the in the brush and I thought it was something running away. Well, there had just so happened to be a, a bull with like two or three cows and he was pushing them straight towards us. And, uh, we're like walking towards this, this noise. And all of a sudden these, these cows walk up to us at like, I don't know, like 10 yards. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those situations where it was like so close and so fast that you don't have a chance to get it on video. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, we kind of caught us out in the open, you know, we're just like standing there trying to stand still and the cows like looking at us moving her head back and forth and then they just took off. Um, and I don't know, we, I think we, I feel like we saw those same ones again later on. Um, so we decided that the brush was so thick that it was kind of an ineffective for us to just be walking around aimlessly. So we went to the only open spot we could find on the hillside and it was actually kind of a nice little perch overlooking some smaller meadows and the meadows were like a hundred to 150 yards away. Um, so I put the, uh, the rifle or the muzzleloader on a tripod with a really right stuff head which held it nice and solid and uh basically as soon as we got to that spot i'm like oh shit there's a cow a cow elk and it was walking through the through the opening and you're like no no way dude <laughs> but yeah there uh, again i mean this unit's freaking insane we've i've never seen anything like it there were elk just running around everywhere um so we we got set up and uh i didn't have a primer in at that point so um i just kind of I had the, uh, the muzzleloader on the tripod, and I aimed at that elk just to see what the uh, post looked like on it. And that's when we decided we wanted to switch out for a, di- for a different crosshair, for a, a finer crosshair, just because it, the crosshair we had on there, the post that we had on there, just took up so much space on the, on the body of the animal. But um, that same evening, you were doing some, some calling, and uh, David called in a calf to like, I don't know, 8 yards, 10 yards, something like that. Yeah, she was coming across that meadow. Yeah. It, when you guys watch this video too, you'll see um, 
we see her go through the meadow and being chased by a, a four or five point bull. And man, all, all I'm thinking is that thing's a pedophile, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a baby elk that's just been born and he's chasing it drooling, you know? Um, but yeah, that, that calf came back and she came right up the face and literally eight to 10 yards. Um, and I felt bad. We called her away from whatever herd she was hanging out with, but mm. at least she wasn't being chased by that bull anymore. Yeah, bull Biden. It's <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah. So actually, I forgot to mention after uh, you know, after we had lost the that first elk, or you know, that we determined that it wasn't um, a great shot. We actually did go back to the range to re-verify that the muzzleloader was sighted, and and we switched out that front post for a, a crosshair that had a circle in the middle so it's a really fine crosshair with a circle and then that's when I determined that even that wasn't the best um, option for me so I decided that I wanted to go with just the fine crosshair which uh, we swapped that out it worked awesome I mean it's, it's it is super fine so in low light I think it could be a bit of an issue but that's where if um, if I had more time to spend with this muzzleloader I would definitely spray some type of high-vis paint on just that little portion so you could see it just that much better in the low light but um yeah i mean we were in elk basically every single day so there wasn't much uh much downtime um to it so that night got back uh ate some food and went to sleep and then i I heard some rustling around in the middle of the night at like 3 a.m i thought there was a bear outside of camp and it was freaking monty he couldn't sleep so he decided to get up and go and, and listen for bugles in the middle of the night and see if uh, see where the elk were, which was pretty cool of him. And, yeah, another thing I want to bring up is those guys are super uh, generous. They they both had archery tags, and they, they, uh, they didn't hunt really that much while we were there. They really wanted, um, wanted to, uh, to help me be successful and help us get this all captured on film. So I, I can't thank those guys enough just for – putting their bows down and, and just wanted me to be uh, me to get a, get an elk. So that was, that was freaking cool of them. But um, let's see, that would be, we were, so Saturday morning was the day we got the elk, right? Is that right? The next day after that? Um, Hard to keep track. I, Friday morning, I think. Friday morning. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so yeah, Monty had heard some elk bugling in a few different spots, actually not too far from that knoll. Um, so basically we hopped in the truck with him that morning. Chad went to go glass up a different area and, uh, we kind of got on this big cliff overlooking that where the knoll was below. And it was kind of just a, a big section of oak brush with some trails, cattle trails in between. And, uh, we actually had, let's see, I think we, there were like three bulls down below just bugling in different spots. So we kind of listened for him for a bit. It was a pretty quiet morning. Um, they were bugling just just a little bit, um, so we decided that try to keep the wind in our favor. We were going to hop down there, try to get close, and just do a little bit of cow calling to see if we could call something in. And uh, we got in on. It seemed like we got in on one. We did a little bit of calling down below, but we could hear some walking in the oak brush, but it never ended up showing itself. Yeah, sometimes they just come in quiet, you know, and they don't announce themselves, trying to sneak in and check things out and see if it's another cow or another bull. What's going on? Yeah, so we uh, we went down in there, nothing came in, and uh, we decided just to walk up the trail, and we were going to walk back to the road. It was probably a, I don't know, three-mile hike from one end to the other, so we decided to uh, get on the trail and, and kind of go 
in the direction of uh, of the road, and then if we didn't say anything, we were going to get picked up. And just so happened to be walking down the trail, and all of a sudden, up on the a different knoll, we just see a bull up there, and he bugles, like coincidentally, right when we we're below him. I don't know if he I don't, he may have even saw us and didn't care, but he still bugled. And uh, we got our binos up real quick. We're like, oh shit, that's a bull. So we kind of <laughs> tr- we tried to set up to call him, but the wind was blowing straight at him. Yeah, yeah. And what time was that? That's like middle of the day. Yeah, it was like it was probably around eleven, eleven a.m. or so. Um, so yeah, almost the almost uh, afternoon, and it was it was hot. It was I don't know oh, seventy five, probably approaching eighty degrees. And all of a sudden, we just hear this elk bugle. It was pretty cool. Yeah, kind of caught us off guard. So we tried to set up, and of course, it didn't come in because the wind was was bad. And um, Chad had been telling us about this little mineral spring that was down in this drainage. Um, and we were going to go check that out. And we were on the trail. And all of a sudden, we heard a bunch of, like, squealing, squeaking noise. And uh, two super old guys just come <laughs> barreling down the trail on these badass mountain bikes. And they come up to us. And we at this point, we just saw that elk. And we heard him bugle. And we tried to set up. And it was only, like, five minutes after we decided he wasn't going to come in because of the wind. And the guy comes up to us. He's like, hey, you seen anything? I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, like, talk quiet. I'm like, yeah, there's there's one actually right up here. And he's like, oh, all right, good luck. And they just haul ass out of there. Uh, how are these old guys riding bikes? They've got to be in their 70s. They were definitely in their 70s. They had these badass Yetis and Santa Cruz bikes. Um, that's what I told you. I'm like, damn, if I, I hope when I'm their age I can uh, – I can get around like that. They were look like they were having a good old time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so right where they came up to us, we were right at the head of that drainage. So we we're like, screw it. The wind's blowing up from the bottom of this drainage. We'll just walk against the wind and go down here and see if we can call something up to us. And we went and set up for, I don't know, we probably set up for about 30 minutes and you did a little bit of light cow calling. And uh, we actually could hear something walking in the oak brush uh, again, but it it just never came out. Yeah, what's funny is he came from above us, so the wind's going up, mm-hmm. and he came in from above. You could hear something walking around, and it just like all of a sudden went quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we sat there for a bit. I think we ate a ate a snack or something, and um, we're like, all right, screw it. We're just gonna keep walking down. And you're like, um, before we start, I'm gonna text Dana. She was watching your apartment, and watching your your cat for you, and uh, I was like, all right, cool. So you text her on the inreach, and um, the message sent and we kind of walked down this trail a little ways and on one side of the drainage there was a trail that we were on on the other side of the drainage there was another like cattle trail and we got to a point where um there's a split and it split from it split to the left to connect to the other side of the trail and you got a, a message back on your delorme and uh or i guess it's garmin now but you got a message back on your inreach and uh, you're like, all right, I'm going to check this real quick. And I like, I look past your head in the trees and I just see an elk walking down the trail. I'm like, oh dude, oh shit, there's an elk right there. And you're like, what? And uh, you had, you had the uh, little camcorder on your peak design shoulder strap thing and you popped it up real quick. And then I thought it was a cow elk. I, I would just, I literally wasn't expecting it to be a bull and uh, it popped out of the trees and we saw its rack. We're like, oh damn. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, is that a good one? You're like, it's a six by seven. I'm like, should I shoot it? There's like this 30 second like dialogue between you and I of, should we shoot it? Should we not shoot it? You're like three days left, man. I don't know. It looks like a pretty good one. And uh, so 
you had me take a few steps up so you so I could see the elk and then you could see it on on camera, and then end up walking out in front of us at like thirty five yards, and we both tried to stop it. We both went meh, and it didn't even it literally didn't care at all. No, I, I honestly think it might have saw us and just didn't care, but he was he walked out and uh, ended up taking the shot, got him perfectly right behind the shoulder, and the funniest thing about muzzleloader hunting and a lot of people said this before is when after you shoot the, there's a bunch of smoke obviously and then there was nothing there and we're like dude <laughs> is it's it like, dead did it roll him like what happened to him it's like a magic show man and like i get the camera on it and uh you pull the trigger there's so much smoke and as soon as it's gone i'm expecting to see this elk standing there or falling but he, there's nothing there yeah there was nothing there and then we kind of sidestepped a little bit looked down the drainage and he was I don't know, standing like 60, 70 yards down the, uh, down from where we shot him. And, uh, you could just see the blood pouring out of the, out of his side. And he wobbled a little bit and just fell right into that, into that ditch or to that drainage. And at that point it was, uh, all smiles from there. We did a little video recap. I think you just kept rolling and kind of recapped. And I just remember I was like shaking from adrenaline. We both were high five. It was freaking awesome, dude. That was, it was so cool. This is the first time I've been on a hunt where I, I wasn't the shooter, but I was still shaking because I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a feeling of redemption, you know, especially after how the first morning went. Um, it was cool. And the irony of it all is, you know, we have this badass Gunworks muzzleloader set up to shoot super far, and we ended up getting one at 35 yards just <laughs> out of pure luck almost. It, I, I, I kind of think you you def, I think you called that one in, but he just didn't want to come in. He was in the area, and we just kind of intercepted trails or intersected trails, I guess, and yeah, man, it, it was it was cool. Um, so we uh, we went down to him, and walking up on that thing, the body was just was like the biggest elk I've ever seen. Yeah, you, in person for myself. I never get over walking up on a on a dead bull, how big they are, you know. Mm-hmm. And his body was so big, it made the antlers look, you know, small. It did. Yeah. At first, I was like, "Damn, this thing's a freaking raghorn." <laughs> you're like what are you talking about so we went we actually got up to it and grabbed it and just it must have i don't know a ton about elk but he looked like he looked to be a pretty old old bull yeah yeah the first thing i noticed when i'm checking him out is he had a, a strip of hide pulled up on his butt from just fighting and another bull just trying to run him off mm-hmm. and then we're looking at him and we're like there's no way his body is this big uh without you know peak antler size so we started opening his mouth and just kind of looking, and the teeth are so worn down. I mean, his molars are are sloped. Uh, the front teeth, you know, he's he's missing a tooth. Uh, the two fronts and the bottom are just half a tooth left. They're so worn down. He had to have been 11 or older. One of the coolest parts about this elk is he had a hole in his face about halfway from his eye to his nose, just right there dead center from what we're guessing to be a a fight with another elk, a tine poked him in the face and it actually went from the outside of his face all the way into his front molar, I guess, right? That front tooth in there. And it was just rotten on the whole way through. It was like green. It was disgusting. It smelled so bad when we were cutting it (laughs) up. Oh, it was horrible. So yeah, that's what we decided uh, to, to name the film old warrior because this bull looked like he had just been, He'd, he's seen a, a couple fights in his lifetime. Uh, both thirds are busted off, one all the way down to the, you know, to the main. Mm. Uh, the other one's busted like a couple inches off. Hole in his face, big tear in his back. Yeah, he was definitely a fighter. 
Yeah. So, so we got, uh, we ended up uh, messaging Chad on the inReach and letting him know we got a bull down. And uh, before we knew it, those guys actually were able to get pretty close to us. Um, they had a four wheeler. Um, so we got to work on it. We, uh, it was awesome having so many people work on an elk because I know f- from, uh, from last year and then also just breaking down deer and stuff and that bear this year. It's a lot of work to do it on your own. So definitely it was, it was nice to have all, all hands on deck and we ended up uh, basically just quartering it out, getting the back straps and the tenderloins and a lot of the, mostly all of the neck meat and a lot of rib meat. And we ended up with a crap load of meat, which was cool. Yeah, how much was there when you dropped it off? So I dropped it off to the uh, processor without the uh, back straps or the tenderloins, and it was uh, 202 pounds. Yeah, that's quite a bit of meat. Yeah, solid. So we got that, that all loaded up, and uh, yeah, we uh, we actually got it all on the, after we quartered it out and took care of it, we uh, were able to get pretty much all of it on the four-wheeler, which was, was also a nice little uh, change of pace. <laughs> I could only I could only imagine packing that thing out. Even between four guys, I think it would have been a, a pretty hefty task. Um, so that was that was really cool. The whole way, I mean, you got you got footage from from day one all, all the way up until uh, the trophy photos, and then you're actually able to uh, capture some pretty cool um, antler on pack video as well um, that evening. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a good experience. It was so much fun, and just trying to capture the memories and and put it together. I, I think this film's going to be pretty good. Yeah, I'm excited, and uh, you know, like I was saying in the beginning, we've always wanted to to film our hunts, and we've we've tried to do it ourselves with the GoPro, and um, we even had a, a couple of different Sony, um, like the, we have the handy cams now, and we had a different camcorder, but it's just not the same, you know, having someone that actually knows what they're doing. Not to say that you know Aaron doesn't, because he definitely does. He does a lot of photography, but um, it's hard to it's hard to self film. Um, so it was, it was great having you there, and also it was awesome having you there because. You, know, you, you you love to hunt elk and you also like you just like hunting in general so I've, i didn't really feel like i was hunting with a photographer i definitely felt like i was hunting with a friend so it was it was good to have you there man yeah it was, it was good to be there i'm glad i could be part of it so a question for you now mm. you've been historically a mule deer guy <laughs> um and there's always this, always this question you know like are you an elk hunter or are you a mule deer hunter so so now after having this experience and having elk bugle all around you having that rut action uh, what kind of hunter are you now? <laughs> I don't know. I, I still have, uh, I still have an unfilled archery mule deer tag. I'm going to go after this week. And then, uh, I got a tag in, in Idaho with Jordan. So I think I'm still a mule deer hunter, but I definitely can see why people love elk hunting so much. It's when you, when you hear those bugles and when you're like those, that first evening and that first morning, we were just completely surrounded by the different herds of, of elk and they were all close by. I mean, I, I'd never experienced anything quite like that before. I've, I've been in a little bit of bugling, but nothing like that. It was like a, it was like a TV show. So, um, I think it's something I could get addicted to. Uh, it's something I'd like to do again. Um, and then muzzleloader hunting that I'd never really thought about doing it before this year, but yeah, it was, it was cool, man. I, I can see why people like that as well. So you might make an elk hunter out of me eventually, but <laughs> I think I'm still a mule deer guy, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to thank Chad again for, for getting us um, the tag and, and hunting with us and showing us around. And, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was just like hunting with a bunch of friends. So, um, yeah, I, I had a great time. Um, what, uh, what camera gear were you using? Because I, I know we're going to get definitely get this question. Yeah, so I was bringing – I brought my uh, D800. It's an Nikon full-frame DSLR. Uh, I had a 
handful of lenses, uh, 20 millimeter, 1.8 prime lens, mm. uh, 51.4 prime lens, uh, 24 to 70, 2.8. And my favorite lens, uh, the Nikon 70 to 200, 2.8. Um, you know, it's a pretty heavy pack. You're, you're making jokes about me carrying around like 50 pounds on my back. Uh, it's pretty close. You really were. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I had a mic and I had tri- you know, a giant tripod with uh, a fluid head on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's all for the art, right? You know, it's all to capture those memories. But yeah, that's what I was carrying primarily. Uh, we got the kill shot on the Sony Handycam uh, just because it happened so quickly and, and uh yeah, typically I'll have two cameras on my shoulder straps or one in my hands or whatever. Um, uh, but for something like that, um, a DSLR is a little bit tougher to work with. Right. Yeah. That was cool, man. Yeah. It was, it was, it was funny. I just picked up your pack one day and I was like, dude, what do you have in here? Like, <laughs> what do you think I have in here? It's all that camera gear. I just had a few snacks and like a light jacket. I didn't take any camera gear this time around. So it was, it was nice on my end, but I'm sure your legs definitely got to work out here and there. Yeah. And it, including that 10 pound bag of uh, cinnamon bears too, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, it's every time we'd eat, like you were just eating candy. I'm like, well, dude, where did you go to get all this candy? You had the red cinnamon bears and you had all kinds of, of sweets. It was, it cracked me up. One, yeah. one of the, uh, one of the funniest things I think that happened on this whole entire hunt was mid afternoon or midday. One of the days that we were there, um, Monty was cooking up some breakfast burritos and uh, the camp chef ran out of, of fluid. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So he's like, Hey Chad, will you, uh, will you change the bottle for me? He's like, yeah, sure. So he grabs a new bottle, one of those little green Coleman propane bottles and uh, he starts screwing it in, but it like gets like cross threaded or whatever. And you can just hear it going. And I'm like sitting there, we're bo- both sitting pretty close to the, to the uh the cook table and then obviously money's right behind the the grill and then um chad's on the other side and i'm just thinking like i wonder if this could possibly ignite with all this extra (laughs) gas and as soon as like that went through my mind money must have thought that he had it screwed in and he went to light it and it was just this huge fireball it was like five foot tall four feet (laughs) wide off the table and uh Everyone's just like, oh, damn. And, uh, <laughs> and Chad, all of his arm hair was singed off. His beard hair was singed off. His eyebrows. Oh, my God. That was that was funny. I mean, it was it, it could have been bad, but since nobody got hurt, it, uh, we, we had a good laugh after that one. I was crying laughing. <laughs> yeah, we laughed for like 15 minutes. Anytime we would look at Chad, like you'd see these curly hairs up on his eyebrows and eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the funniest thing is like he didn't really like wipe it off too well so even that <laughs> evening honey you could just see the singe hair on his beard oh man yeah it was fun it was a it was a good trip i'm excited to do it again if uh if we get the opportunity to and um yeah i mean thanks to uh chad and kafaro and aaron and everybody that gives us these opportunities to go on these hunts I've, i'm definitely thankful for it so it was it was a really cool experience. Now we've got a ton of meat, so I know I don't have a, enough room for all this meat, so I'll be definitely sharing it with uh, with everybody here at Kafaro. So super thankful to be able to, to go on the trip and, and get an elk. Um, but, 
Yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, I'm sure we'll have you on the podcast quite a bit going forward. I, I know there's always a ton of interest in outdoor photography and videography. So, and you're the you're the man to uh, to answer these questions. So we're we're glad to have you on the team, man. I'm I'm glad we finally were able to to connect with you and, and get you working with us. Yeah, I've been so excited ever since talking to Aaron about you know joining the team and just yeah, it's been great so far. I'm excited to see where things go and uh, we've got a lot of work coming up. Yeah, we do have a ton of work. We're going to redo all of our product videos. Dave is working on product shots. We have some cool features coming for the website as far as uh, possible 360 views. Um, yeah, it's going to it's going to be awesome. So, a lot of a lot of cool stuff coming down the down the pipe. We're really busy working on uh, getting some inventory things dialed in, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the future. It's it seems like. Uh, Seems like once we get the these small details worked out, it's it's only up from here. So it'll be good. Pretty excited. Got any last parting thoughts, wisdom, anything you want to add? I can't think of anything besides the uh, dehydrated meals. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I have the same issue when you I you can still you can just still smell it. Is that ketchup? <laughs> Is that ketchup and onions? Oh, uh, so funny. Uh, no, but yeah, uh, this was a great time. I'm I'm excited to go on more hunts, uh, hang out with you guys. Really, I'm excited to just hang out with you guys. Uh, but, yeah, that elk hunt was such a good time. Um, uh, for any of you listeners going out and filming your filming your hunts, um, always be prepared. And, yeah, it's just capture all those memories. They're going to last forever. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the photos and the, and the videos last just bring you back to that that time. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to have like a rack on the wall that kind of reminds you of the hunt, but the, f- the photos and the videos are, are that much more. So yeah, man, we're excited. Um, as far as, uh, if, if you guys have any ideas of, of what you'd like to see from us, definitely let us know. I think we'll be doing a lot of vlog style stuff as far as just our, our day-to-day stuff here at work. Um, I know Aaron's got a lot of plans on doing some, uh, tech tip videos for archery. I think we might set up a little reloading shop here and outside the, uh, outside the podcast room. So we will have a ton of content. Um, I know that you like to hunt predators a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I got into uh, predator hunting a little bit. I haven't really killed a whole lot, um, but, you know, there's time for learning, I guess. Yeah, we will be sniping some some coyotes this uh, this winter and getting that stuff on film. I know a lot of people have asked me in the past to, to get that stuff on film and, and kind of just show some some things. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have a good time with that. And um, I think we've got some other ideas as far as other content. So, yeah, if you guys have ideas of stuff that you want to see, definitely let us know. But uh, thanks for listening. And um, that's all I got for today. (laughs) (laughs) That's the stock music that came on this thing. We'll see you guys. Thanks for listening.